The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We greet you here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, whether you are present with us here or listening live over the ra- on the radio at WBUR 90.9 FM, over internet signals at WBUR.org, or later on the podcast at bu.edu slash chapel. Mar- My name is Brother Larry Whitney, and I have the privilege of serving as University Chaplain for Community Life here at Marsh Chapel. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, is away this week. We look f- forward to his return soon uh, and bear greetings to you in his name. It is a great privilege to welcome to the pulpit this morning my dear friend and colleague, the Reverend Brittany Longstorff, our University Chaplain for International Students. Let us stand as we are able in the praise of God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan proclaimed him your beloved Son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit, grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. 
Behold a broken world, we pray, where want and war increase, and grant us, Lord, in this our day, the ancient dream of peace. Let us make silent confession as we sing the Kyrie and receive God's pardon. Bring, Lord, your better world to birth, your kingdom loves domain, where peace with God and peace on earth and peace eternal reign. Let us remember that if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness God called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
please join me in saying responsively verses from Psalm 29 with the antiphon. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syria like a wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. Glory to you, O Lord. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. 
Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Join me in a brief word of prayer. Gracious God of space and time, give us these few moments together as peace, as promise of your compassionate work in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Amen. In the beginning, I've always wanted to start a sermon like that, so thank you for allowing me. In the beginning. This is a phrase we hear so often when we read the scriptures. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So it seems especially appropriate to uplift the very beginning of our canonized scripture, Genesis 1-1, at the beginning of our new year. We are as a society of resolution, a society that loves movement and goal setting. At the beginning of each new year, we resolve to lose weight, watch less TV, spend more time at home, be more productive, all of these grand gestures that are usually forgotten by February 1st. In fact, this year I was so overzealous in my resolutions that I wrote 12 different agenda items that I wanted to accomplish for resolutions this year. And feeling overwhelmed, split them up into months, so now I'm looking at doing 12 miniature Linton projects throughout the year. This urge to be productive, to be planned, to be off and running this time of year is deep in our bones. We find the need to begin each year anew, but our beginnings are often hurried, rushed, hustling and bustling to new things and better selves. So it's important for us to look at what happened in the beginning. Genesis 1-1 reads, In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind of God swept over the face of the waters. The translation of this passage, historically and due to the elegant language of the King James Version, has often been understood as in the beginning, God created, giving the impression that God created something out of nothing. The Latin term you may know to associate with this is creatio ex nihilo. This would mean that there was nothing before God first created the heavens and the earth. But today, Many Hebrew and Old Testament scholars see that the Hebrew perhaps is more accurate in its grammatical way of saying, God began creating. 
In this reading of the text, the passage would hold the notion of God creating out of chaos, the Latin for which is ordo ab chao. This translation would imply that the universe already existed and God creates purpose, order, and light within it. Creation then is in fact a reordering of the already chaotic universe. I want us to spend a little time with this interpretation today, this ordo ab chao. In Genesis, this universe is a formless void, a watery deep swirling, teeming with disorder, with chaos, with no life and no purpose. And yet, there is a moment in the beginning, between the beginning and God saying, let there be light. There is this quiet moment between chaos and the new creation that is to come. In that space, in those moments, this wind, which in Hebrew is the same word as spirit, ruach, this wind, this spirit, is hovering, brooding just above the earth, sweeping across the waters. I love this image. I think of the spirit like a hen sitting on her eggs, the Holy Spirit brooding, clutching, hovering above an abyss. The divine spirit encompasses a chaotic earth waiting for that moment of birth, that moment of beautiful creation. In our world today, when we experience chaos, I think we often jump to crave for that creation. We feel rushed and urged to manage, to resolve, to order, to begin again, to move forward out of the chaos in our lives with a sense of urgency and immediacy. But in the same way, there's that breath between 11.59 on New Year's Eve and 12 a.m. on New Year's Day. There's a moment in the creation of our universe that's between chaos and creation. One beautiful moment where the Spirit of God is so near to us hovering over us. Every year, we observe merrily as Christ is born in a manger. On a chilly night amidst the hay bales and the camels and the donkeys, and if you're a fan of the film Love Actually, you also know there was at least one lobster present at the birth of Jesus. We follow that star with the magi and we bestow gifts on our gentle Christ. And suddenly, out of nowhere, liturgically, Today is Christ Baptism Sunday. Last week, the Magi were bringing frankincense, gold, and myrrh to a toddler, and this week we see a fully grown adult Jesus going into the wilderness to find John the Baptist and begin his ministry. But before Jesus' extraordinary life and teachings can begin, there is a moment in between, a moment that's neither here nor there. He's not a child and he's not a rabbi. This moment in between is a quiet moment at the river, a chance for renewal, for baptism. John the Baptist is emanating the prophet Elijah by wearing camel's hair and baptizing people in the wilderness. This image of wilderness is supposed to remind us of the 40 years the Israelites spent in the wilderness after the Exodus, where they were wandering, lost, and barely surviving in desert heat. The wilderness for us is an image of chaos. 
And yet Jesus seeks out that chaos, seeks out that dry wilderness to be baptized. In the Jewish tradition at this time, baptism was a source of renewal into the covenant of Israel. You were washed clean of your sins so that you could once again join the covenant of God's people. But this is important to note. Also at this time, the Jewish tradition of baptism was widely self-service. People would go to the water and baptize themselves. They would dip themselves into the water or sprinkle water over their own heads. All they needed to be was in the presence of a prophet like John to consider themselves baptized. But when Jesus approaches, he asks John to baptize him. The physicality and vulnerability of this moment cannot be overstated. In the space between the chaos of the wilderness and the creation of Jesus' life as rabbi, in that one quiet moment at the river, Jesus is held in the arms of his fellow man and washed clean. In that in-between moment, the same God that calls forth life from this primordial watery abyss in Genesis 1 calls Jesus to new birth out of the waters of baptism. But sometimes, creating that space between chaos and creation is not always easy for us. Sometimes, we need someone else to remind us to center down. We fill our lives up with meaningful work and deep relationships and required tasks, and we often forget, even at a new year, what a beauty it is to reflect and to have these moments of in-between. Howard Thurman, who was once dean of this chapel and preached from this very pulpit for many years, was a mystic man of faith, a compassionate mentor to many, and mostly a slow, searching man. I read earlier this week a story in Dr. Walter Fluker's book, Ethical Leadership, about Howard Thurman and his relationship to Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Thurman writes in his autobiography that he often had gentle premonitions, these deep soul callings to engage with people who he thought might be in a time of trouble. When he was just 29 years old, a young, fervent, fiery preacher talking about justice, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was stabbed in Harlem at a book signing. Thurman woke up one morning and felt a deep spiritual urge to go to him, to find King in the hospital. And during his visit, Howard Thurman urged Martin Luther King to take even more rest than the doctor prescribed. He urged him to take exactly four more weeks of rest than what the doctor thought was necessary. I'm sure to King, in the heat and the growth of his ministry at that time, that must have seemed like an impossibility. But Martin Luther King did heed this advice, and unique to the rest of his life, adopted a brief time of quietude, of meditation and stillness. He delivered no speeches, went to no meetings, and didn't move on any agenda items within his civil rights movement. And after that time had passed, King was reinvigorated toward the cause of civil rights. He found a purpose, a specific calling in the organism and organization of this beautiful movement. He had a determined and clear understanding of his mission. 
and the rest, as we know, is history. That moment between chaos and creation that Thurman urged King to spend time in, it offered Dr. King a chance to find his own renewal in the midst of a nation that was renewing, his own sense of presence in the spirit. When one of my students found out I was preaching a couple of weeks ago, she asked me, you're going to use Rilke again, aren't you? I couldn't tell if she was exacerbated or excited, but I was delighted to know she remembered a single thing from a previous sermon. So, as many of you know, I have finished a year-long spiritual journey with a poet named Rainer Rilke, and I'll include a poem from him here. Rilke wrote of this need for stillness despite the need for space in between. He wrote about how we needed to stop, stop pressing, stop rushing. Here's a poem from Rilke. We set the pace, but this press of time, take it as a little thing next to what endures. All this hurrying soon will be over. Only when we tarry do we touch the holy. Young ones, don't waste your courage racing so fast, flying so high. See how all things are at rest. Darkness and morning light, blossom and book. I find that our world is plagued with moments of voidless dark, watery abyss and dry wilderness. In the face of an ever-present cultural racism, mass incarceration, Ebola, the recent attacks in Paris, France, and the numerous tragedies on our screens, in our hearts, and in our newspapers, how could we deny the deep and foreboding presence of chaos in our lives? Rilke reminds us that we need these moments between chaos and creation, where the spirit hovers over us waiting to be pulled in, touched, embraced by our spirits. When we forget to create that sacred space and time, we can get overwhelmed. Overwhelmed by the chaos of it all, but also overwhelmed with the creation to come. I remember when I first read the news of the terrible and tragic school shooting in Peshawar, Pakistan. Just a few weeks ago, over 140 schoolchildren were murdered in an act of terrorism while they were at school. I saw this picture in a newspaper article of a pair of empty shoes on a bloody auditorium floor. And I became completely overwhelmed with grief and the chaos of that terrible, terrible act. I cried and thought of all the mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and the parent who must have tied those shoes in the morning. I truly felt that I was grieving and at a loss for our world. I saw the darkness, I saw the dry wilderness, I saw the void and the abyss, and I felt overwhelmed. When I got to my office the next day, I had a phone call from a courageous Boston University student, a woman who was from Pakistan and wanted to organize a vigil, a time of prayer and silence and presence amidst such an atrocity. 
She said on the phone to me, I have no idea how to cope with any of this, but a vigil seems just like the right thing to do. So the next night, in smack dab middle of exam week, I gathered with 50 students, most of which were from Pakistan or had family members still in Pakistan, and we agreed to create that space for in-between, a space between the chaos of the violence and the creation of hope. It was simple, it was quiet, it was a lit candle, a tearful prayer, a lesson on peace from the Quran. I felt so full of the spirit in those moments, so close to the brooding bosom of God. I'm so grateful to those student leaders who called together for this moment of vigil prayer. I knew that the time for creation would come, the time where I would want to help create sustainable change to alleviate the terror in our world and for our children. But just then, on that cold December night before Christmas, I needed to abandon the chaos and delay the creation to exist in the in-between moment of stillness, quiet, solidarity, and prayer. And I was reminded of how close the Spirit is to us, how much we can rest in the divine when we are in need. This moment in between chaos and creation is not a passive moment. It's not meant to be seen as a privileged moment where we can remove ourselves from a broken and bleeding world. Rilke's poem says, only when we tarry do we touch the holy. The word tarry is not a passive verb, but an active verb. It's synonymous with the word sojourn, which means to live temporarily. These in-between moments are not places we can stay, but they are places we should live. And it's not an easy act, holding yourself in this temporary stillness. Sometimes it's much easier for us to jump from chaos into creation. But in this action moment between chaos and creation, we have the opportunity to be opened up in transformative ways. To tarry in that in-between is not doing nothing, it's doing something. Only from silence can a word be spoken. Only from stillness can a movement be created. When we make room for these quiet moments, these silent times of rest, these in-between spaces, marvelous things happen. God, who brooded over the dark abyss of the earth, says, let there be light, and there is light. Jesus, who comes to the dry wilderness to be baptized by John, hears the voice of God call him beloved. And the Holy Spirit that has brooded over him his whole life descends like a dove. Dr. King, following a traumatic attack, rests and finds himself renewed and ready to make peace with a nonviolent leadership 
in an ever-growing civil rights movement. In these in-between moments, we become extraordinary pieces of creation, exceptional children of God. I challenge you this early January week to take some time, schedule it in a planner if you have to, like me, to create space between chaos and creation in your life, to tarry with the spirit. Spend an hour, a morning, an afternoon, an evening, an entire day or a long night to breathe and exist in that in-between space. Take a full breath, and if before your lungs have filled, you have thoughts filling your mind, stop and try it again. This is just for you and the Spirit of God to have a moment together before your new year ensues. This is what the season of Epiphany is for, the moment in between Christmas and Lent where things are realized, revelations are granted to us. We each get to have an epiphany in a moment of in-between. Let the chaos in your life be stilled. Let the disorder be. And let God's spirit fill you up in a moment in between chaos and creation. And find yourself full of light, renewed, held, beloved. Tarry there, for only when we tarry do we touch the holy. Amen.
enter now a time of the prayers of the people when we bring the concerns and cares of our world, the joys and gratitudes of our lives to be held in communion with God and in community with the souls around us. I invite you at this time to take a position of prayer that is most resonant to you, to come to forward and kneel here, to stand, to sit, to be present in this community and with our God. As the choir leads us in the call to prayer, lead me, Lord. At the end of each intention, I will offer the words in your mercy and care. Please respond, Holy One, hear our prayer. Within our world, souls cry out in grief and fear. We hold before you our sisters and brothers in France, Syria, Lebanon, Nigeria, Liberia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Malaysia, Missouri, New York, and within our own city of Boston. Holding our shared pain in your mercy and care, Holy One, hear our prayer. Into your light of hope and promise, we hold before you souls who are caretakers, healers, educators, peacemakers, artists, community organizers, diplomats, musicians, advocates, first responders, and everyday friends and family who embody love and constancy. Offering our gratitude and blessing in your mercy and care, Holy One, hear our prayer. Seeking your felt presence within the transitions of life, 
We hold before you our sisters and brothers living through the birthing of new life, applying for schools and employment, losing jobs, trying something for the first time, becoming engaged and married, receiving diagnoses, moving to unfamiliar places, leaving abusive relationships, asking for help, standing trial and judgment, separating and divorcing, encountering unexpected opportunities, waiting by bedsides or through long nights of unknowing, facing death or surviving it in grief. We acknowledge these spaces of life, these places of change and risk, possibility and mystery, and ask in your mercy and care, Holy One, hear our prayer. And for the concerns of our hearts spoken only to you, we now offer into the silence. In your mercy and care, Holy One, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer, Holy One, as we pray the prayer Jesus modeled for us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel. We bear special greetings this week to our guest choir in Coronovo in, under the direction of Dr. Therese Provenzano. We look forward next week to uh, uh, Dr. Peter Paris, the visiting Walter Mulder Professor of Ethics at the School of Theology, will be preaching uh, next Sunday, Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday, and we uh, bid him welcome next week. Our regular services and activities will beginning, be beginning with the start of the academic semester uh, Tuesday of next week. Uh, this week we remain in intercession and we uh, look forward to our regular program including our Sunday morning study and all of the weekday activities beginning then. As the ushers wait upon us, we invite you to meditate on uh, Jack Halloran's setting of the spiritual witness. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God. Who'll be a witness for my Lord? Who'll be a witness for my Lord?
creation we ascribe to you strength glory wisdom and majesty bless these first fruits of our labors which we offer back to you may they magnify your work in this community and in the world amen
let there be light. You are beloved. Go out and create moments where you can touch the holy. Amen. Thank you.